Welcome to a new episode of the Sunday Sauce. I'm here with Mike Rakebrandt. He's running for the second congressional district in Long Island against Andrew Garbarino. Mike, welcome to the Sunday Sauce. Thank you so much for having me on, bro. Mike, uh, you have a pretty interesting background. You were uh, you're a combat veteran with the Navy, right? But you were attached to the Marine Corps. Is that true? That's correct. Yeah, I spent also- uh, just over nine years. Right. Sorry. And you're also um, an NYPD detective. Yes. Amazing. So, um, you know, I don't really know about Long Island politics. I do a lot of New York City politicians. Um, This guy, I know that this guy, Andrew Garbarino, claims he's Republican. Uh, Clearly, you think you think otherwise. So what's what's going on over here in Long Island? So Andrew Garbarino, uh, he took over from uh, Pete King. It was Pete King's old congressional seat that he actually right. jumped into in, I love uh, Pete two King. years ago. He's a great guy. He's a big back the blue guy. He's a big guy for the city and stuff. He's just a good guy. Right. Garber- Andrew Garbarino is not Pete King. You know, he can't fill the man's shoes and he's definitely not. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's a nice enough guy. I've never met him, but he's like completely removed from the constituency. He's voting record is 94.4% more liberal, I think, per the Heritage Foundation than every other House Republican. He's voted on every, you know, every kind of crazy spending bill the Democrats can come up with, this guy's voting yes on. You know, the infrastructure bill being the most uh, the most well-known one, but there are so many others, you know, that he's voted on uh, Farm Modernization Act, where he's basically funding illegals. Uh, let's see what else, the uh, red flag laws, all kinds of just really, really just an awful voting record. Mm, interesting. So also, I realize in Long Island, why, why is there such an MS-13 problem? You can answer this because you're you're a police officer. So what, what's the deal with MS-13 in Long Island? So, I mean, you have the um, the wide open border, right? And then what's being vetted or checked, it is being dumped in communities, you know, both here locally on Long Island and across the nation. So with nobody being vetted, nobody being checked, you know, you can bring in an extremely huge amount of these people from different places that, that don't have good intentions that are coming across the border for no good intention. MS-13 kind of took hold here in, in like uh, a couple of different areas on Long Island. Predominantly, I think the one most well known, I should say rather, is uh, Brentwood. There was a large like kind of contingent of them there. But then there was some high profile homicides that happened there. So the, the, the local DAs and the FBI got involved and they kind of targeted them under the President Trump. But now, you know, President Biden in office, obviously, none of that's happening. So it's kind of resurging a bit. So does your opponent have any say about this or he doesn't really care? He's never mentioned it. I've never heard him speak about it. I've never heard him speak about bail reform. I haven't heard him speak about much of anything, really. Uh, Very, very recently, he started kind of coming out and speaking. But I think that's more because now he knows he's kind of on a chopping block because he's got myself and somebody else primarying him right now. So I think that makes it a little bit more obvious to him that he needs to get out and do stuff. Kind of too little, too late. Right. Who's the other person primarying him? A uh, guy named Captain Robert Cornicelli. Oh, okay. And then what's his background? Oh, you know what? That's so funny you said that because someone just literally brought him up and they're going to, oh, I'm in the, the people from my young Republican club, this is so crazy, I are actually going to, go um campaign for him that's so crazy you said that that's that's nuts 
I'm not going. Don't worry, Mike. Don't worry. I'm not going. Not worried about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's. I just heard that name today from somebody. That's so funny. You said that. I don't know anything about the guy, so you know I can't go campaign for someone I don't know about. So, don't worry. Right. But uh, what 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 what's uh, and so that guy? What what do we know about him? Oh, he's an army vet. He uh, retired out of the Army National Guard. He was a okay. Navy before he became an army officer. In the National Guard, uh, worked, I think, for the town of Oyster Bay as a sanitation supervisor. Uh, I think this is basic bio right there. Okay. So basically, you know, he's a good, he's a, he's a pretty good guy. He's probably has similar values to you and, you know. Um, yeah, he's, he's a Trump supporter. He's very, yeah, he's definitely very um, conservative, you know, similar to my, my own values. Absolutely. He's definitely very conservative. But you, you want to win, but, you know, if he, if you didn't win, God forbid, you it wouldn't be so bad if he won. Basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, I think um, I think his policies would basically reflect uh, America first. You know, I don't. Uh, he's an America first Republican. I think he would reflect basically the same values and the same kind of policies that we would, as far as everything is concerned. So yeah, he's not a bad candidate to have in the race. It's good. See, that's very um, noble of you to say. You know, most candidates don't like to talk about uh, their opponents that are running you know that's that's nice you know but i guess that's the military in you and uh you know the and being an nypd brotherhood and stuff like that so i get it yeah, i mean you don't want to tear down people that don't you know that don't need to be torn down so to speak you know it's not a it doesn't serve anybody it doesn't do anybody any good and like i tell people all the time you know this is all going on until june 28th on a primary day after that june 29th we're all going to be on the same page going forward you know, so there's no reason to make, uh, make divide things right now or make things what they shouldn't be. Right, right. Even if, if you get on the primary, he does, you could probably either both work on each other's team or something like that. So it could it's going to either work out regardless. So there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything to beat these uh, wannabe Republicans. Um, we even have wannabe Republicans on the national level, which is disgusting. That's what this is uh, like the, the the house, like so Congress, right? So you got this one. I mean, you got obviously the people like that talk about like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, but Andrew Garbarino is actually a more liberal per the Heritage Foundation than Liz Cheney. Like he beats her in his liberal votes and uh, leanings. So it's a pretty impressive record. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's just awful, man. You just you can't have that. It's at this point in our time in our nation, we cannot have any kind of like weakness. It's just going to make things far worse. Well, weakness starts with Joe Biden, obviously. 100%. 100%. But if, you know, you got somebody like this guy supporting Joe Biden's, like, build back broke agenda or any of the other policies that are going down, then it just makes things so much harder to kind of come back from. Because every little bit of inflation that this guy unleashes upon us, it's that much more to come back from. It makes it that much harder to bring back, you know. And if this guy keeps going he's going to kick off a, a pretty severe recession, if not a depression, if he really gets going. Why do you think that Republicans are so afraid to say they support President Trump or take take support from him? Why, why do you think that? What do I think? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question. I said, why do you think Republicans, some Republicans, not not all, like yourself, are are afraid to take support from President Trump or say they support President Trump? Do you think it's just because of January 6th or it's because of all the things? 
Well, I think they use January 6th as an excuse to kind of try and hammer people and act as though we're all like domestic terrorists, you know, determined to tear down the fabric of the country. But that's actually, you know, completely the opposite case. I think January 6th, as regrettable as it was, was more an expression of frustration, which is, you know, everybody saw as a steal, which I would agree with. Um, as for people being afraid to, you know, accept Trump's endorsement or even have something to do with him, I mean, he's a very, very, you know, he's a very strong figure in, in modern politics. He's a very, very strong voice. And I think some people, especially people in politics, you know, they, they want to toe the line. They kind of want to skirt the edges of things. They don't want to have to actually commit to anything in case that somebody doesn't like it, you know, and they get very hung up in that mindset so that they're afraid to commit themselves. So what if Trump loses and like, oh, my God, he lost. And now I'm tied to him. I think that mentality takes hold quickly with these people. And it's just it's backwards. You know, you have to stand for something, you know, just stand for something. Because if you're not, then you're not really doing your job. You know, your job as a congressman or as any elected representative is to represent your constituency to talk to your people. So you have to stand for something. You have to stand for those people. But most are more concerned with making their own star rise or, or their own ability to hold on to power. And that's the problem we have. That's why I think we need to go back to like citizen legislators, term limits, people who, you know, actually represent their communities. Right. So I'm actually I was I'm actually good friends with one of your fellow NYPD officers who's actually on trial for his job right now because he was at January 6th, but not actually at the riots. He was just actually in a hotel room with Roger Stone. Uh, do you know who Sal Greco is? Have you heard about his story? I've heard about him. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, so he's a good friend of mine. Um, very nice guy. I talk to him every day. We were friends. We became great friends. He literally wasn't even at the riots. He was just in the hotel room with Roger Stone the whole time during the riots. And the NYPD is trying to say he was a domestic terrorist because he was just there. And they're literally trying to take his job from him and saying he's Roger Stone's. Uh, he, he was, he's involved with white supremacy and things like this. And um, it's actually kind of crazy because he has all the proof that he wasn't at the riots. He was just, he was in DC, but in a hotel room. So it's, it's, it's very crazy that the NYPD is actually even entertaining this nonsense. They, you know, they have a, unfortunately a long history of this kind of stuff where they, they kind of, you know, they go based off of an allegation or, or, or some kind of like intimate intimation that something actually happened when reality is far, far, far different. But, you know, it's, it's the NYPD has become cannibalistic almost in its pursuit of, of trying to prove itself to be, you know, woke or whatever you want to call it. So I'm not surprised they went after him. You know, I look at the way they went after all these people from January 6th. I mean, they still have people locked up without due process. It's amazing to me. You know, they're violating those people's rights and told by courts not to be doing what they're doing. They still continue to do it. You know, they're, they're, they're just uh, completely committed to their cause. It doesn't surprise me at all that this is happening now. It's yeah, it, kind of unsettled. It makes me upset. But, you know, it's just it's like, unfortunately, become the nature of the beast lately. It's, it's actually kind of sickening that real terrorists have more rights than, quote, yeah. unquote, domestic terrorists from January yeah. 6th. Listen, if we don't fight back. It, you know, the reason I'm in this race is to fight back, right? I, I lost a lot of guys overseas, unfortunately. I lost a lot of guys in the department. I stood the blue line funerals way too many times. I stood all the other funerals as well. And it has to end. It has to stop. But, 
the thing is that, you know, it doesn't stop until we stand up and fight back and say, stop, you know? So I got in this race for exactly that reason. Cause I'm tired of watching all the sacrifices made, all the sacrifices made by so many being, you know, thrown away because of pandering and woke policies. It's got to stop. And that is just an example of that whole process. I mean, the demonizing of anybody that had anything to do with January 6th has become completely and totally blown out of proportion. I mean, most of these people are walking through the building inside the velvet ropes, getting a tour. You know, it really wasn't what it was purported to be. Right. I do. It was regrettable in some sense that there were property damage done, that some, some officers were assaulted, which I don't obviously agree with at all. I think it's reprehensible. And those people should be charged. Correct. But beyond that, you know, we're locking up old people and, and people who simply showed up there. And now you have an PD officer being fired or attempted to be fired simply for being in the area. It's due process has been thrown out the window. Now we've, we've gone to the stage of political witch hunts and it has to end. Right. I think the whole thing about Sal is that he was with Roger Stone and, you know, the whole roger stone thing they they hate they hate, they hate roger stone they hate because of trump and so i think that's what the real issue is the real underlying cause in his case is just being with roger stone and that makes it worse doesn't it i mean because now you're you're basically punishing people for their affiliations you know so the nypd has a, a standard rule on the books that we're not allowed to associate with like known felons and things like that and there's an obvious reason for that right we don't want to be hanging out with wise guys or something like that okay but you're taking that now and utilizing that for political reasons and, and to attack someone for their political affiliations. I, that to me is well beyond crossing the line. And we've gone well, well past the point of big brother. Now, you know, this, this doesn't end well if we continue down this road, you know, the thought police will come for everybody at some point if we allow this to continue and people don't realize that they think that, you know, in their minds, their side's winning. Well, you're not, you're not winning. Everybody's losing in this. Yeah, for sure. And what the argument I have with these all these crazy latte liberals is, I mean, listen, yes, we went to the Capitol building. That's a sacred building. Okay. But the guy who, uh, the Viking hat guy, whatever, whatever they call him, the QAnon guy, he, he oh, was yeah. on, whatever, you know, the guy I'm talking about with the Viking yeah, hat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was on mushrooms. All he did was go into the, the chambers of, of, con of Congress or whatever he did. He sat in Pelosi's chair. He told the cop, hey, man, I'm just taking pictures. I'm leaving. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't do any damage. And then he left. He, they gave him four years in prison. But they have videos of all the Black Lives Matter rioters burning down buildings, federal courthouses, property damage more than whatever they did at the Capitol building. And they get off scot-free. So if you're going to do one for one person, you have to match it all around. You can't just do, just because it was a Trump riot, quote-unquote, riot. You know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So look, I mean, we have trillions of dollars in property damage throughout the country for the BLM riots, right? And the Antifa riots that have been going, we're going actually pretty steadily for a couple of years there. Right, the so-called peaceful, uh, peaceful protests, right? Meanwhile, the buildings are burning in the background. Right. You know, you have multiple people murdered during these things. Hundreds of people have assaulted, and great many of those being law enforcement being assaulted, some very seriously, you know, and nobody bats an eyelash, you know? You have 
what was it? Honestly, I get one. It was a regrettable incident that happens at the Capitol. It shouldn't have happened. Honestly, it should not have happened. But that being said, I mean, there's, there's, there's a good amount of evidence that, that a lot of the people that were there actually instigating a lot of this violence and stuff were from the other side, were either Antifa, BLM, whatever, that had dressed up in MAGA equipment, MAGA gear, whatever, and gone in there to kind of create this, this mayhem and create this mess. So I think there's a lot more to that story that needs to come out. But unfortunately, with the way the politics are right now and with who's in control of the House, we won't get those answers because the January 6th Commission is more interested in trying to crucify anybody they feel is even remotely conservative or connected to the conservative movement than they are in actually finding out what happened. So I think in come November, after these midterms and this red tsunami that's coming, you know, in January, when everybody's sworn in, I think that's when we start to really find out exactly who knew what, when, and exactly what happened. Because there's right. there's quite a few, you know, there's quite a few safety safety failures that happened during that to allow for that kind of event. You know, there are so many different safety mechanisms in place in a facility like that 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 should never have been able to happen. So the fact that so many different failed all at once, you know, I'm a detective, man. We don't believe in coincidence, and you know, we're always right, right? So. There's a lot more to that story, and I think that what's being done to the people who were there, especially those being like incarcerated or held indeterminately with no due process, it, it's going to be a very ugly story, but it's going to be a very uh, cathartic one, I think, for the country as a whole. Sure. I think that's where we really kind of we really kind of get to take back our country, so to speak, in some sense, and actually really start to put things back on the right track again. And I'm still questioning this this Ray Epps guy, the January sixth probe commission just dismissed him when there's multiple videos of him screaming at people to go in the Capitol and people are like, no, no, we don't want to do that. But they interviewed him or Adam Kingsinger interviewed him and uh, he, nothing came of it. So what is that? I want to know what that is too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's probably, you know, the, the FBI has been caught out there quite a few, quite a bit in recent years. Look at the Whitmere kidnapping, right? They basically figured out it was, you know, entrapment in, in the most classical sense of the word you know just about everybody involved in that so-called plot were fbi informants dragging other people into it encouraging them to get them arrested like it was a hot mess of a case because it wasn't legitimately what it was made out to be like this they made it out to be this grassroots kind of uh you know plot to kidnap the governor when reality is the fbi was actually out there with all these people trying to find willing accomplices you know like oh yeah we got this plan let's go ahead and do this and the guy's like uh okay you know that's not really uh it's not really the guy planning it. That's some poor dope who probably should know better, probably doesn't know better, and, you know, got roped into some kind of stupid plan developed by the FBI. So I think January 6th probably has quite a few overtones of that. And, I, again, I think that'll all come out once the Republicans take back the House and they can actually do a real commission rather than this, you know, so-called partisan witch hunt that they have going on right now. It's like a whole case of entrapment, the whole January yeah. 6th thing. It's very, very crazy. They needed something to hang their head on, right? They needed something to say, oh, look at these violent, you know, Trump people, blah, blah, blah. These, these violent conservatives were trying to overthrow the government. Like, no, no, you had quite a few people who can believe their own eyes. And, and you know, we all know when we're being, you know, when we're being uh, shown fraud, right? To put it nicely. You know, I mean, you, everybody watched it live on TV. We saw the spike in votes all of a sudden in the middle of the night. We have a so-called water main break, which turns out to be nothing but a leak. And barely a leak at that. And all of a sudden, now there's here's these 300 plus thousand extra votes all of a sudden that came out of nowhere. Like, you know, enough. Nobody's stupid here. You know, everybody knows what happened. It's very obvious. And every day, you, there's more and more information being 
generated and coming out every single day to prove that exactly what we thought happened happened in 2020, that they stole an election. And this is the way of trying to steer the ship the way they want it. You know, and if it's allowed to continue, you'll lose all your rights. You know, at some point, you will lose all your rights if this continues. Well, fortunately for you, Long Island is uh, still pretty much a nice Republican area, right? Yeah, and it went even more so last year in a local election. So they had like a, an absolute red tsunami out here in the local elections last year. So seats that were, you know, Democrat held for you know decades out here flipped red in the last round of elections. So I think that's a pretty good indicator of what's to come in 2022 in the midterms coming up. I think Long Island's elections last year, along with Virginia and other places, kind of gave us a very good, clear picture of what's to come. And I think that's actually where we begin to kind of start restoring America, you know, and putting it back to values, putting back the, the standards that we need to get things going. But it needs to be a lot. It needs to be a lot of work done. We need to reform just about every federal agency. We need to reform just about every state government and state agency to mm. kind of clear out all the old bad policy and get rid of these, you know, these bureaucrats that have been entrenched there for far too long, creating all this havoc. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Now um, I want to get your opinion. You're, you're a military guy, combat veteran. Um, you received a purple heart, right? I did. I did. Uh, April of 2004. Well, Iraq, mm, number one, thank you for your service. That's number one. Thank you. Uh, number two, what do you take? What's your take on the Ukraine and Russia war? That's such a um, it's it's so it's like so complicated that whole thing. So I mean, if you go back like you know hundreds of years, nine eight nine hundred years ago, you know, you're talking about three separate distinct ethnic groups that kind of settled the region. You know, so you have that ethnic kind of you know rivalry, I guess, going on for how many hundreds of years, and then even a little closer, obviously, into our own age is when Khrushchev kind of redrew the lines of the Ukraine. He kind of pushed all his res mineral resources kind of all together in one place in Ukraine. It was kind of, he was rewarding, I guess, one of his underlings at that time that was in charge of the Ukraine when he was mm -hmm. in the USSR. So when the Iron Curtain falls, Ukraine keeps all these lines. They keep these places. But you have areas like Donetsk and, and Crimea that are eth actually ethnically Russian. They're, they're not ethnically Ukrainian. So they wanted to return back to the Federation, the Russian Federation, which they considered their homeland. So you had the separatist movements, and then Russia moved in in 2014 and took back Crimea when, when President Obama was in office, you know, and, and nothing was done. There was red lines. Oh, we have a red line. And then they crossed right over and nobody said a word, you know. So I think with Russia seeing our, our ridiculously horrible withdrawal in Afghanistan and how totally inept and weak Biden is, they saw a good opportunity to take back the rest of the lands that are considered to be ethnically theirs. And maybe even to take back the entire Ukraine because it's so resource rich. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Mm. I mean, said, you know, it's not our war to fight. You know, this is not a NATO ally. It's not somebody that we're necessarily obligated to. Although during uh, Bush Sr.'s presidency and then through the Clinton presidency and on forward, there were promises made because when we were de-escalating the nuclear arms of these countries, we told them, you give up your nukes and we're going to protect you. You know, and now here we are, they have no nukes and they're being invaded by Russia. So we're kind of, I guess, failing in that sense to promises made a couple decades ago. But that being said, I still don't think that we need to be on the ground there fighting. I, I agree with you 100 percent. And uh, but for some reason, there's some light, there's some Republicans 
you know, that want a no-fly zone for Ukraine. And uh, I don't think they understand that uh, Russia is not is not um, Afghanistan, where there's guys running around in sandals and AK-47s with no nuclear weapons. Like, Vladimir Putin has 6,000 to 10,000 nuclear weapons, and he's not afraid to use them. So us doing a no-fly no zone and provoking Vladimir Putin is a little bad idea. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? I would 100% agree. A no-fly zone is a terrible idea. Like I said, I don't think it's our war to fight, and provoking a nuclear power like the size of Russia especially is really generally not considered a good idea. I mean, and, and beyond that, it seems like the Ukrainians are, are doing a pretty good job of defending themselves for the most part, you know? And it looks like now, I mean, I saw today that there was a, a final, like they finally sat down to actually talk again, you know, in the last, like the last day or so, and Russia's agreed to kind of reorganize its troops within the country and kind of pull back just a little bit on Kiev. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with that whole thing as far as uh, how it plays out. But I do think you have the war hawks in, in both parties who stand to make a lot of money from war. I mean, they've been making trillions of dollars over the last 20 years on the wars. Of course. So they want the money, you know, they want the money spigot to be turned back on again. So I'm sure there are those that want that. But well, beyond you, that. Right. Sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah. You know what's going to happen, though, if this, if this Russia-Ukraine war ends. Biden will take credit that he brokered peace. Because you know that he's going to take credit for it. Then the gas prices are going to come down. He's going to take credit for that and all that stuff. We just can't have our people uh, get blinded by this bullshit propaganda that Biden did all this when he actually did nothing of the sort. And then come November, people forget. You know what I'm saying? No, I agree. I mean, look, Biden's policies, what they bring us, he... He shut down American energy independence, which drove gas prices through the roof, which in turn drove inflation through the roof. Then on top of that, he shut down the, the shipping and supply industry right when it was getting started again after the whole pandemic shutdowns, you know, which is mandates, you know, with the vaccine mandates. And he's still trying to enforce that to some degree. So, I mean, the supply chain's got, they got their foot on a break and they won't let things go back to normal. And he's, he keeps going on TV talking about this uh, winter of death, supposedly from COVID. And then now it's the... Uh, there will be food shortages and stuff. I mean, you know, Captain Doom and Gloom just needs to sit down. You know, they need to take this guy out of that office because he's he's gone. The guy, he's, he's gone. That guy is fried. Yeah, he, his he's, brain is done. His brain is done. And so he's a hot mess and his policies are, are, I mean, you know, I guess the one good thing we could say about it is Carter could now turn and say at least in his lifetime, he didn't have to be the worst president ever. You know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's very he's, true. He's, That's true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just a hot mess, man. I know. Well, now, real quick, one last thing before uh, we get to the end of this lovely episode. How mad are you that Mayor Adams lets athletes not be vaccinated, but us city workers still have to be vaccinated? And the ones that didn't get vaccinated and lost their jobs cannot come back to work. How mad does that make you? I find it to be absolutely disgusting and absolutely reprehensible. So here we have this like extreme double standard where we're like, oh, well, you know, these people who, you know, they're paying lots of money and bringing lots of money to the table and stuff. They don't have to get anything. But the people who actually fought through the damn pandemic, the ones who actually didn't get to stay home and showed up to work every day and got sick themselves and built natural immunity, usually multiple times, you know, oh, you guys have to get this, you know, experimental vaccine. And uh, damn you if you don't, 
You know, that's insane to me. The whole damn thing is insane to me. There shouldn't be any mandate and we shouldn't have any masking anymore. These things are all just, you know, they're political theater. You know, it has nothing to do with any kind of real science or any kind of even real ability or, or, or on their part, desire to actually help people. If that were the case, we wouldn't have had uh, COVID positive patients dumped in nursing homes when we had the USNS Mercy and all these other places to put these people, you know, correct, correct. I think it's about control. That's it. Simply put control. Yeah. I mean, and you know what? Mayor Adams could have been the greatest mayor ever. He 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 he's already bringing back the uh, anti-crime unit, like kinda. You know, we already talked about this a little bit before. Yeah. Um, he's bringing about he's bringing back uh, you know, broken windows. He's bringing back. Uh, he's trying to talk about bail reform, getting rid of it. But now he then he then he doesn't bring back the employees that were fired for the vaccine mandate. If he did that. He, he could have been one of the greatest mayors ever in New York City history, especially when he's dropping all the ma mask mandates and vaccine mandates everywhere all over New York City. I mean, this guy, I don't know what he's thinking. He, he literally could have been a superstar, but now he's doing this to our beloved fire department, uh, police department, sanitation department. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm 50-50 still on this guy, to be honest with you. Well, the city just signed back on to some uh, some court case the state has going as far as they, they stepped into it with the with the state's court case to bring back all the mask mandates and everything else. So, I mean, they're signing on to that. So I think it's a pretty clear indicator of where they intend to be, you know, after the election cycle in the fall. I think they're backing off of it now only because it is so unpopular. But I think do, if they win this fall and they hold on to some kind of governmental control in the state, we're going to be right back where we started with all the mandates being returned, all the mask mandates, everything else being returned, you know, and that, that's going to be a death blow for the state because at that point you're going to lose a, a significant portion of population, you know, as well as businesses and everything else. You know, this is, these are all the policies you would institute if you absolutely wanted to kill an entire state's economy. You know, that's all it is. It's, it's backwards boneheaded, but, at the end of the day, I think they know exactly what they're doing. And I think, again, it's, it's all about disrupting our economy to a point where they can, you know, so-called topple our government and really institute full control. You know, I, I really, truly believe that now. I, I didn't before, but there's, there's just no other logical answer to that for me. You right. know, that when I'm stepping back looking at it, what I see is just, you know, a very clear plan and agenda to take full and total control. Yeah, it's, it's sickening. Um, it is. Listen, listen, Mike, you know, you, you've been great. I appreciate you coming on. Tell us where we can find you and tell us how we could help you on your campaign trail. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, so you can get me at my website, www.mikerakebrandtforcongress.com. The last name is R-A-K-E-B-R-A-N-D-T for congress.com. And uh, right now, just, you know, reach out let me know what's on your mind send me an email tell me what you're worried about tell me what you're thinking about if you can donate please do it's very expensive i've self-funded to this point but now we have to fundraise so any little bit helps and uh i really appreciate you having me on man all right mike thank you bro again good luck i hope you i hope you get on that primary and i hope come november you win because we need some common sense out there thank you very much bro i appreciate you